What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Overstated MBA Show. We are doing another State of the Union. Um, we got my good buddy, Ethan W. Lane, who's going to be on here. But first, before we get into this, I just want to give shout out to our sponsor, Manscaped. You can go to overstated.com, type in Manscaped, you get 20% off. I'm sorry, go to manscaped.com, type in promo code overstated. You can tell I've been drinking. You get 20% off. I mean, dude, it's Christmas. These are great holidays for, I'll just say it, fathers, brothers, boyfriends, girlfriends, friends of boyfriends, whomever. It's awesome. It's going to get – we live in the Midwest. Ethan lives in the Midwest with me. It's it, it's going to be cold this winter, and you layer up, and it gets a little stinky down there. Come on, shave it, get the ball deodorant. Again, that's manscaped.com, promo code overstated, 20% off, and free shipping. All right, without further ado, I'm going to bring in my good buddy, Ethan Lane. We're going to talk a little State of the Union, Minnesota Timberwolves. We've been a fun team. Without further ado, I just said that twice. Here we go. <laughs> Ethan, what is up, brother? How are we doing? Steven, I am excited to be here on another wonderful episode of the State of the Union podcast for the Overstated NBA show, the first ever fully Midwestern podcast. And I would like to go ahead and give ourselves a hand for that. I've got myself my Coors Light, Fear the Deer koozie that I picked Beautiful. up at Game 2 Beautiful. in the Deer District. I'm drinking a Wisconsin exclusive beer in the form of some spotted cow I picked up on the way home from work, went a little east of the border, and I'm ready to talk some Timberwolves basketball. I love it. We may even have to do a shot on this podcast. It'll be the first ever um, shot, the State of the Union shot. I can't wait. It's going to be great. So I was actually at the game when you kicked the shit out of us. Um, Anthony Edwards is a beast. I think he's real. Um, we'll probably get into the, the cat criticisms. But uh, how are you feeling right now? Uh, Minnesota's 11-11. They're, they're currently the A seed. They've looked great at times. They've looked kind of good at times. And they look bad at times and a little bit so-so. They are currently, we're recording this on a Friday night, it is, since I can say this, 7.41 Central Time. They are currently playing the Brooklyn Nets, and I believe last I checked, yeah, Minnesota's up 51 to 47. I'm sure you have that on in the background, so if you hear any squeals or, you know, whatever comes out of a Minnesotan's mouth, I'm still fucking you from that Packer loss. Sorry, that's okay, though. Um, so what are your thoughts, man? I mean, you tell me, what, what, how, how's the vibe in Minnesota? How's your vibe? You're, you're kind of the president of the Timberwolves fan club. What do we got going here? So first off, I want to address the potential squealing. I'm under I'm under the understanding that this is a family podcast, so I'm going to try and keep that to a minimum. But coming out of the gate, so I think I speak for a lot of fans of small market teams that have been struggling in recent years when I come in with a mentality that competence is okay. And I can say right now that the Minnesota Timberwolves are showing to be extremely competent a vast majority of the time, which for me, at least, that brings in a lot of positive energy and it brings a lot of hope to the future. Right now, like you said, we're 11 and 11. We're hanging with the Brooklyn Nets on a Friday night marquee game without Carl Anthony Towns tonight, out with a tailbone injury that he suffered during the Wizards. So it really, for me, you come into this game and you come into the season with a lot of hope, with new ownership. You come in off a couple of ruined COVID seasons that have been plagued with injuries and you come in with a really positive mentality for this team. And I think for the first time in a while, this team's starting to show what it's been advertised as being. They are, they are, man. And I'm just looking at some stats as, as kind of I was looking at before we came on here. I mean, there's six and three point shots made. And I remember when they came to the Pfizer forum watching that game, I mean, they, they, they made a lot of threes that game and they look legit. And one of the things that I'm, I want to get your take on it. So they have Chris Finch as their head coach, you know, kind of uh, I think we can all say a little bit controversial on how we got the head coaching job. But when I watch them, they look like a team that is has some sort of direction. 
And I don't think up until when when Tibbs was there and, you know, we had Jimmy Butler and kind of like the town center, it, it just looks like there's a direction and there's a flow to their game. Am I, am I off on that or are you seeing the same thing? So I have noticed a big change in their offense. And honestly, I can speak for a lot of Timberwolves fans that any upgrade from Ryan Saunders was an upgrade, at least for our team. No disrespect to the kid, um, obviously taking over the job after his father passed away. And Flip Saunders, of course, was a big big cultural icon for the Minnesota Timberwolves over our tenure uh, through the Kevin Garnett years. But with Chris Finch, I believe, like you said, we've got a vision and we've been knocking down threes. I've got a couple of stats here that I've took when oh, I was at work. You, you said, Hey man, I came in hot. Like you, you already interviewed East coast with Derek and you got West coast with Mikey. When the Midwest comes in, I got to bring the thunder. I got to bring the rain because people know that the Midwest is going to put out the best content. I'm sorry to Brett. I'm sorry to our friends across the pond, but I got to come in with the stats to appease Jacob, who was very critical of the Timberwolves when this season initially started. So like you said, sixth and made three-pointers. We're number one in the amount of attempts we take. We're shooting 42 a game. That is an obscene amount of three-pointers. I don't know where that falls statistically in terms of other past seasons, in terms of teams that have shot a lot of threes, but 42 attempts a game is a really big step up in terms of where we've been as a team over the past few seasons. The problem is we're not making them. We're shooting 33% from three, which is I think 22nd in the league. So we're shooting them. And then the nights they're falling, that's when you see the wolves really come alive. I went into the group after our first game and I'm like, I'm not going to overreact because we played the rockets and everything was going in when everything's going in. That's a ingredient to winning basketball. The problem is the games that we lose and the games that we lose by a pretty healthy margin is when those shots aren't falling. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's tough. That is tough. What, what, let me ask you this. You can, you can answer this however you want. Who is Minnesota's best player? (laughs) I want you to keep that long pause in because I think that really speaks to how our team works on a day-to-day basis. Our best player is whoever wakes up that day and decides I'm going to be the best player on the floor. Obviously, if you're looking at just hoop mixtape, if you're going on YouTube, if you're going on Instagram and you're seeing Wolves highlights, nine times out of ten, they're probably Anthony Edwards. And I'll talk a little bit about how much we love this kid later. For the past couple of weeks, probably up until about the last game we played against Washington, it was D'Angelo Russell. Cat's been really in and out of the lineup, and I'll talk about him in a little bit. But D'Angelo Russell, he's been he's been icy. And I think the Wolves fans are really looking at him as the best point guard that we've had in probably a really, really long time. And people will go online and they'll say that, oh, D'Angelo Russell is not somebody you can build your cornerstone around. But as a Wolves fan, you look at D'Angelo Russell and the production he's had and his ability to run the floor, whether that's um, getting a couple of good assists, and obviously he'll make some bonehead turnovers every once in a while. But he's a guy who'll chuck up 9, 10, 12 three-pointers a game, and some of them will go in and some of them won't. So he'll either look like an idiot or he'll look like a really, really solid piece that we can build around and what he was advertised to be when we traded Andrew Wiggins to Golden State. So I, I want to get into the cat aspect of this as well, but as far as our best player, it's whoever shows up that night. I've seen games where Nas Reed looks nights lights out. I posted in the group earlier a little teaser that I'm going to talk about Nas Reed. He's balling out tonight when Cat's out. I I honestly can't tell you right now who our best player is, and I feel like right now we honestly don't need to because it's working. It is, it is, and I you you touched on Cat, and I have been critical on this podcast uh, many times about Carl Anthony Towns. Not that he is. A bad like I love his game. I absolutely love his game. I mean, I was joking with some of my Bucks Bucks friends um, 
you know, do, do the Bucks in the next couple of years? Is, do Carl Anthony, does Carl Anthony Towns come to Milwaukee and play with Giannis? Um, but that's how much that's how much I respect his game. But my criticism has been, and obviously, you know, he had he had COVID, and and, and God bless him uh, with his mom and all that. The the shit that he has had to deal with off the court has been just terrible, and he's handled it with class. And he's just I always root for people like that. I root for him. But my criticism with him has been like eventually all these stats. I mean, our old colleague Jacob would thought Carl Anthony Towns was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. Right? He's an analytic guy. But my thing was. You play to win the game. Eventually, all this stuff that he does fills up the stat sheet. It's got to turn into winning sometime. And and that's been my biggest criticism of that. Are you seeing like a little bit of a change in that this year? Is it because they have better talent around him? I mean, what? give me your thoughts on Carl Anthony Towns. Go ahead and say it's a little bit of both, obviously. Um, what Chris Fish or when uh, Gerson Rosas took over the team, at least from a GMing perspective, he came in with a lot of hope after the Tibbs era and really came in aggressive and said, we want to build around Carl Anthony Towns. We want to give, build, give him the pieces that he needs in order to be able to win a basketball game. And I think he did that in his tenure. He brought in guys like Malik Beasley, who was not really utilized in Denver. He brought in D'Angelo Russell at the expense of sending Andrew Wiggins and a pick to Golden State, which was a trade that was heavily criticized and still probably is, especially with how Wiggins has been playing in Golden State this year. He's made some less flashy signings. We could talk a little bit about the free agency signings this year, especially with Patrick Beverly and Torian Prince. But I think what people need to realize, especially with these small market teams, is that basketball is a team sport. And when you break it down, you can bring up Carl Anthony's counting, Carl Anthony Towns' counting stats and just look at that and be like, all right, he's probably one of the best three-point shooting big man that the league has ever seen. He struggles a little bit on the defensive end. But what can the team as a whole do in order to bring this experiment together and produce it to make winning basketball? So what I've seen this year, which is a big difference from the last couple of years, is an a willingness to experiment, especially on defense, that can hide a lot of Carl's shortcomings, while also being able to emphasize a lot of the things he brings to the table. Um, as far as Cat goes as an individual player, I think this year, what I need him to do is I need him to take a nice deep breath before he starts every basketball game. Um, we've talked a little bit about how the fouls have gone down across the league. They're they're calling stuff differently. People are getting to the rim and they're getting hacked and stuff isn't getting called like physical. it used to. It's a, more, it's a more physical game, kind of what you and I watched growing up. Exactly. So with Carl's game, what I've noticed him doing a little bit more and what Finch has asked him to do a lot more in this offense is be able to be more of a creator. And people have asked for this for years. People have said, why don't we put Cat in more pick and rolls with how good of a shooter he is? And he can create a little bit off the dribble. There are times where he does a little bit too much. There are times where he'll get a little bit ahead of himself. He's not, I don't think he's not quite ready to use his body the way that he thinks he's able to. He'll bowl into defenders, he'll muscle them up, he'll stumble, he'll chuck up a shot, look for a foul, and when he doesn't get the foul, he gets frustrated. And I've seen a couple of games, specifically that Washington game, where he's bowling into Daniel Gafford and just getting stuffed. Or he's going at Montrez Harrell, who's lower to the ground, and he's got more of a muscular frame. And he's trying to put up the shots that he might have gotten foul calls on last year, and he's just not getting them. And I think that leads to a little bit of frustration. Um, there was that clip going around a couple of weeks ago where he's not even crossing half court on offense because he knows Ant's going to take the shot and he's just going to get back on defense. I think the mentality piece is something that I want to see him work on. I want to see him be able to take a, just, just a deep breath before he starts every game. He's fouled out a couple of the past games. He injured himself and pretty much garbage time last night. We were down eight points with a minute 30 left going up for a dunk and he slipped off the rim and hit his tailbone. I just need Carl to 
to be the player that he's advertised to be. And what he is, is probably the best draft pick that we've had since Kevin Gardet. In the fact that he, I don't, I think he can lead a team. And I think that as a calming, stabilizing force and as a locker room guy, he has that mentality in terms of being able to get guys together that he can reason with. Uh, obviously, he and D'Angelo Russell, really good friends. Anthony Edwards and him seem to get along really well. I think that he is a piece that we can use, but I, I hate the argument of he's not an alpha guy. He doesn't play winning basketball, when in reality, the Wolves haven't played winning basketball since 2004. Well, you did have Jimmy Butler. I mean, he and he did, he did, he, you guys, if, I remember if, think about this, which is crazy about that. And I don't want to talk about Jimmy too much because I don't want to upset you, but I mean. Oh, I love talking about Jimmy Butler. Let's, let's talk Jimmy Butler. I'm you know, he's it. my guy. That's my guy, dude. He's a Marquette guy. He's Mr. Marquette. It, it, it's funny though, because if you remember that year, it was the all-star game and it was, it was infamous for Jimmy Butler not playing a second in that all-star game. He had a bad knee and shortly right afterwards, he missed like basically almost the entire second half of the season, and Minnesota snuck in as the, they played in the. Remember, was that the first? No, it wasn't the play. It was that started the play-in game because that Denver, that last game of the season against Denver, was so so big. If I remember correctly, my memory could be a little bit foggy. But up until Jimmy Butler got hurt, like Minnesota was like the third seed in the West, and that was when the West was really really good. And he kind of you kind of thought, okay, dude, like Minnesota's going to be a player for a while. Jimmy obviously kind of kind of does his thing, you know the Rachel Nichols interview. He's he's gone, you know Rachel Nichols. Well, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. So I mean, it, it kind of sounds like, and you correct me if I'm wrong. Like there is a, a optimism. You know, you guys have something to hang your hat on to. I mean, you kind of got your big three a little bit right. You got D'Angelo, and and you got Carl Anthony Towns. It, it, am, am, I, am I reading the room right with you here? That the Timberwolves fan, like it, it's it's okay to be a Minnesota fan. We don't know if we're going to finish, you know, maybe in the top six, but playoffs or playing game is fine for us. Exactly. So that's the thing. I look at the Western Conference standings this year, and I wanted to wait to do this podcast with you until we're a good chunk of the way through the season, because obviously we could overreact to the first couple of weeks. I feel about twenty games in, we got a really good sample size of how things are going to shake out. Obviously. In the West right now, you've got your top three teams. You've got Phoenix, who's been on an absolute tear. And the Wolves only lost to them by three points. We've got the Golden State Warriors. We've got the Utah Jazz as our top three. And I think those three are probably pretty confident, and they're going to probably stick around that range for the rest of the season. You correct me if I'm wrong, barring a major injury. Do we Are we in agreement on there? Golden State, Phoenix, and Utah? Yep. 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 Okay. Yep. All right. To go along with that, we got our bottom three teams. I'm going to say the Houston Rockets, the New Orleans Pelicans, and the oh, now oh, record-breaking yeah, record Oklahoma City Thunder are uh, down near the bottom, and I think they're going to stay there too. They, they should be. First of all, I know this is a Minnesota Timberwolves State of the Union pod, but the I always get regulated and regulate re, relegate mixed up. Sorry. Sorry, soccer fans. Sorry. Shoot me. Whatever. You know, USA. They should be relegated and they should be kicked out of the league because that was one of the worst things, like from a, on the court basketball performance I've ever seen in my life. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah, don't even you're, you, Minnesota is not in the Sacramento, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, New Orleans, Houston category. Get get that, and that, get and that, out of that. And that's fantastic because that's where we've been for the past what. 10, 15 years outside of the one Jimmy Butler year, which we've already referenced. But you look at the middle of the Western Conference, Dallas, Memphis, both the Los Angeles teams, us, Portland, and Denver. I don't think any of those teams, my team included, have a case to either be the four seed or the 10 seed. I think you can jumble up any of those six teams 
And I would not be surprised at the outcome at the end of the season, barring any sort of major injury. Just because you look at Dallas, they can't score a basketball if Luka Doncic or Porzingis is shooting it. Memphis, John Morant's going to be out for a while. LeBron, AD, I don't know what they're doing in Los Angeles. The Clippers are tumbling. Portland just fired their GM today. And Denver's been struck by the injury bug. Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, we don't know what they're going to look like for the rest of the season. So when you look at that collection of teams, again, you say that the play-in is something that I want to shoot for? Absolutely. But I want to set that as a floor. Because if I feel like if you look at the Western Conference this season especially, the first year coming off of COVID, the first year where we've had some sort of stability in the front office, a year where we have new ownership that seems to care a lot about the team and shout want this to team A-Rod. to succeed. Shout out to shout A-Rod. Out, shout out A-Rod, shout out Mark Lore, all those guys. This is a year where we can put ourselves on the map. And I don't want to say this now, and I don't want this to be clipped for a few months down the road oh, we're when we're when we're, we're when, when we got twenty five right wins and forty three losses. Jamie, clip this right now. The Wolves are making the playoffs, and I'm going to call that a lock because I don't see any of these teams down below us. Like you said, the Sacramento, the San Antonio's, OKC, the Pelicans, the Rockets, all those teams—they're waiting for next year. What? I would love to see is a Minnesota Los Angeles Lakers play in game where we send the Lakers home. Wow. Wow. I think that that is the perfect cherry on top of a season for a tortured fan base, being able to look LeBron AD Russell Westbrook in the eye and send them back. Because I, I think that's a totally attainable goal. I think so too, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna double down here a little bit. I think that the I agree with you. The timber the timber pups are a lock to make the playoffs. It would be I would seriously say, I mean, you guys you guys have Anthony Edwards, so I don't want to make this too dramatic, but I would say blow it up if you guys don't make the playoffs. They, I'm you know when you look at the standings, as you said, right now Denver's the 10th seed. They're 10 and 11. I have no problem saying Denver's done unless Jamal Murray comes back in January and he's the old Jamal Murray. They're done. I mean, that, that Michael Porter Jr. injury just kills him. Jokic can only do so much. That Aaron Gordon trade, it looks bad now because Aaron Gordon now has to be the, the Nuggets' second-best player. We've already seen how that went with Orlando. As you said, Portland, I mean, we – and I want to get to Ben Simmons in a minute too because that's a very interesting wrinkle when it comes to the Timberwolves. You know, it, it feels like even though no one has pulled the trigger, maybe the new GM will or whoever is going to be running the, the Trailblazers that can convince Dame that they got to get rid of CJ for Ben Simmons. It, it seems like that deal is there. Um, I don't know what – I think that if Portland doesn't make a move, I think you're, you're going to see them. Dame would have to get incredibly hot. And shout out to Mikey, Bikey. He's my guy. But, I mean, Dame is off to the worst start of his career. And that's not a good sign throwing the injury. You have the Clippers. I mean, dude, there are five. The Clippers and the Timberwolves, they have the same record. And unless Kawhi's coming back, like, I, I mean, I could easily see a world where Minnesota is not only – I could see Minnesota being the fifth, fourth or fifth seed, to be honest with you. Do I think that they will? No, but I could see it. I mean, Dallas hasn't impressed me so far. Memphis is, you know, they're a John Moran injury away from being in the lottery. I mean, I, I just think, like, I, I'm with you. And I, if I was a Timberwolves fan, I would be ripe with optimism right now because I wouldn't even say this is necessarily a breakout year. I would say this year for the Timberwolves is a springboard year. 
where it's like, okay, now look at us. We've got another year under their belt. Because if you look at them right, like, D'Angelo Russell, I feel like, has been there for a cup of coffee. He seems to be always hurt. You had you had COVID the last, basically, the last two seasons and Carl Anthony Towns and all that. And then you guys draft this freak of fucking nature in Anthony Edwards, who is just like, I mean, dude, he is, I think, to me, like, he's must-watch TV. I'm not a Timberwolves fan, but, you know, if, it, if he's on TV, like, I'm watching. And you said, there's a social clip. Shout out to Derek Michael. I have his NBA league pass, username and password. Uh, I bet you didn't think I'd say that on a podcast, bitch. I mean, you should like, give it out. Give out his give out his password right now. It's uh... <laughs> all the things. But no, like I, I think this year should be a springboard into the next three or four years of a little bit of a run. I'm not saying a championship run, but I'm saying a run where like Minnesota is going to be a top four team in the West. Absolutely. And you touched on Anthony Edwards. So my first big interaction with this group and with this podcast was on that draft night Zoom call. And on that draft night Zoom call, when we had the first overall pick and we drafted Anthony Edwards over James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, I was skeptical because as a Wolves fan coming into that draft, I go, all right, here's another super raw prospect and a draft of just super raw prospects. So when you looked at Anthony Edwards in his game, when he came in, there was that stretch last season where Cat and D'Lo both went down. And Ryan Saunders, bless his heart, looked at Anthony Edwards, who was 19 years old and still making his way into the league and said, all right, kid, green light, shoot everything. And that's when the wagon started circling around the Minnesota Timberwolves from people who don't consistently watch those games. You take a look at um, his shot percentages, his finishing ability around the rim, and Anthony Edwards really struggled during that stretch last season. But then all of a sudden, the Wolves get healthy that second half of the season, and all of a sudden we're talking about where was Anthony Edwards this first half of the season, but you don't watch the game so you don't understand the shots he's taking and how many he had to take that were bad shots because on that team last year, who else was going to shoot him? This year, there's a massive difference in how he plays his game. He has... Probably one of the nastiest Euro steps going to the basket now that I've seen probably since Manu Ginobili. And he's worked on that this offseason. No, I'm sorry, yeah. can, can, can you say that? A Euro step since Manu? One you... of the nastiest Euro steps since Manu Ginobili. Oh, and I okay. think it's less of a finesse thing, but it's more of a strength piece because oh. he spent all of last season crashing into people like he's Derrick Henry going to the linebackers. And he realized he can't really finish those shots. This season, I want to give big props to our offensive coordinator and associate head coach, Knicks legend Pablo Prigioni, for really working on that with Anthony Edwards, helping him get to the rim, but really minimizing that contact. Every time he steps across the key and puts it off the glass, I know that shot's going in. And I think that that's such a massive difference in his game. He's not, he knows how to use his frame. Obviously, he can jump out of the gym. If the rim was 12 feet tall, he'd still tomahawk it on anybody. But he's knowing how to pick his spots and knowing how to make that space now. And I think that that's going to be really big for his development. Yeah, sure. I mean, a little disrespectful with the honest stuff. You know, I'll let, I'll let that slide. The nastiest hero of the physicality. But it's a, I can't. I hope Giannis dunks on your entire team now. That was a little Wait, bit. I didn't, did you think I said Giannis? Nah, dude. I, oh, I heard what you said. And you didn't even mention his name. But that's okay. That's, that's, that's okay. All right. So I, I, asked, I asked Mikey this. I didn't need to ask Derek this because I probably should have, but, you know, whatever. We were drinking heavily that night. And we're going to do a little bit of a shot here before we get off this. So Absolutely. Why are you a Timberwolves fan? Is it, is it just that what do you like about this team? What's your highest point as a Timberwolves fan? What's your lowest point? I mean, get, tell me a little bit about your fandom with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Well, for sure. So I had a family friend who would start bringing me to Wolves games uh, probably when I was about eight or nine. So, so just, just my- to clarify, Ethan, you're, you're, you're born and raised from Minnesota. 
yep, I have lived in the same like 10 mile radius except for going to college for most of my life. So I've been a Timberwolves fan my entire life. I started going to games probably in the 02, 03 era. And then that season of 2003, 2004, which is the flag we plant on top of the hill, the Spreewell, Cassell, Trenton Hassel, Fred Hoiberg. A lot Hoiberg. of Milwaukee connections right there. A lot of Milwaukee lot connections of, right lot there. A lot of guys who were pretty okay for your team but got us to a Western Conference Finals. So. Well, first of all, Sam Cassell, Eastern Conference Finals, and Latrell Sprewell is a Milwaukee legend. You can find him. You, you, know, you know Milwaukee pretty well. You could find him at Joe Cass probably right in about two hours. Hey, uh, hey, Steve, I was being like really vulnerable right now. uh, (laughs) but no so that that 0304 season is my first interaction to a good timberwolves team and we have the best record in the west kg wins the mvp and we get past the kings and we get to the lakers kobe shat carl malone rick fox all those guys and we lose i my basketball fandom was born that day because the 0304 finals where the detroit pistons won shout out molly hunter was the first basketball series that I've ever cared about because I hated the Los Angeles Lakers so fucking first swear word of the podcast much. I hate the Lakers so fucking much. I look at this team that somehow manages to trip and fall into superstars. Everybody goes to sign there. And then you look back in the record books. That's our team. That is the Minneapolis Lakers. Yes. Yes. Get them, Ethan. Get them. I want to, I want to go up Billy in the street style to your standard Los Angeles person, and I want them to name their nearest lake to their house. They do not know what a lake is. Their state is dry and on fire. So I want them. And that's where I come into the picture here. I'm not looking for the four seed. I'm not looking for the six seed. I want us in the play in this year. Because at that point, like you said, it's nut up or shut up time. You've got one game shot on the line to make the playoffs to put the league on notice. So when I look at that opportunity, I want us in the play in. I want the Lakers, and I want them to go home. So, coming as a Timberwolves fan, that's where I'm at. You know what? I'm not even going to ask you what your lowest point is because I want it, I want this to be optimistic. I'm not even going to ask you <laughs> because got, you deserve it. You absolutely. Deserve it. Absolutely. Now, I, I got to ask you on a personal level. Personal level. Are you disappointed that A-Rod and J-Lo broke up because she was going to be courtside at a lot of the Minnesota Timberwolves games? I think the opportunity cost of getting J-Lo in Minnesota was a big loss. Yeah. However, as long as the team stays in Minnesota, and I feel like J-Lo would have had a uh, part in moving the team to a place with a little bit nicer of a climate so she could sit courtside in a better climate, I am okay with with the breakup. I'm okay with A-Rod. She would have brought the fire to Minnesota, man. The fire. Well, the fire's already here, man. We're 500. It's 50 degrees outside in mid-December. Like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, there's there's a heat and there's an energy emanating from Target Center that I think is warm in the whole Midwest in this beautiful Christmas time. I love it. I love it. So this is a State of the Union Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Got it. But I will give you one minute to shit on me after what happened two weeks ago when that fucking quarterback of yours threw five interceptions that we dropped four of them, and then had a penalty on one. I will I will give you the floor. You have one minute. Talk your shit. Look, man, I think, obviously, with all the negative press that Aaron Rodgers has gotten uh, for his uh, status and his beliefs and his willingness <laughs> to go on McAfee and say whatever the hell he wants, 
I like you said, I want this to be a more negative or sorry, a more positive podcast. Edit that, clip that, clip that. Um, a more positive podcast. So I want to ask you a return question. Ooh. What is the better news in the state of Wisconsin right now? Giannis discovering that Oreos and milk is a thing. Or the fact that you guys, uh, the Brewers are reloading. You guys just got Hunter Renfro, correct? You guys just got him from the Red we did, Sox. We did, yeah. We did. So, so at least in terms of like, what's the better news story? Obviously, I think it's Giannis, but I need well, it, I need it, a it, Wisconsin it, standpoint. It's it's Giannis only because you know we got Hunter Renfro, and then like I think I literally think like four hours later there was a lockout. <laughs> like like literally, I mean that was it. So I mean you know it was crazy. So you were down here for. Uh, what, were you down here for the Eastern Conference Finals or were you actually down here for an NBA Finals game? I know we were trying to meet up and I have kids that are, you know, my, my, on my ankles 24-7. Was it a Finals game or the Eastern Conference Finals? It was game one, wasn't it? I was in the Deer District for game two. Game I two. called into work sick and drove to Milwaukee and stood in the Deer District where I got this handy-dandy, beautiful Fear the Deer koozie. Nice. Um consumed many Coors Lights, and I would like to formally apologize for not making it to brunch. Obviously, you want to blame your kids, but I'm going to fully blame the fact that I was hungover. Oh, right. I was absolutely hungover. I forgot about that. You were going to do brunch. I was all ready to go at work, and you ditched me. Dude, I I could barely see straight. I drank way too much in the Deer District. I was standing room only, pushed right against the guardrail. By the third quarter, that was that was the rough game where the calls weren't going that way. Uh when the Suns went up to nothing. So everybody just ended that game pissed. I went back. I kept drinking at my buddy's place. I woke up the next morning. And I'm like, man, I need my first interaction with Steve Sabatini to not have him see me like this. Oh, I, I would have loved it. I probably would have appreciated it. We're going to go to Cafe Benelux in the third ward. All right. So to answer your question, you, 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 you were down there in the Deer District. So I went to, I went to game three and I went to game six. Yeah. And I went to all the Eastern Conference. Final, I went to basically almost all the playoff games and then two finals games. It was nuts down there. That city was on fire like you would not believe. And I've been to, honestly, I've been to Brewers games. I was I was just at, um, the last time they were in the NLCS, I was at Game 7 against the Dodgers, which we, which we lost at home. And I'll, I'll defend the Brewers a little bit. They don't have a setup like the Deer District, you know, at Miller Park. But, I mean, like, it was rowdy. You know, you know like, baseball is a little bit different because every single pitch matters. Where in the NBA, there's so many possessions. But I mean, it was Milwaukee was on fire like I would, I've never seen before. I mean, it it was just, it was awesome. I'm sure you were there. I mean, it was the Deer District was packed. It was. I think there was over. I think at Game Six there was over a hundred thousand people outside. Absolutely. I think we were close to probably 40,000 when I was there for game two. And this was right after I had gotten my uh, COVID vaccination. So I'm going out there without a mask and I'm like, all right, time to see if this thing works. Cause I, there is no way that I'm getting out of this without at least some sort of venereal disease or sticky shoes. So I, a couple of things I learned from that experience. So number one, you guys have fantastic fans. And I think I can say this for the whole Midwest when Obviously, as small market teams, you want to shout out the Bulls. Obviously, they're a little bit bigger, but the Bucks, the Pistons, and the Wolves as well. Yeah, we have we got to throw Cleveland in there. And oh, Indiana. Cleveland, the whole Cleveland. Set, we could the whole Central yeah. Eastern Conference Central Division. Yeah, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, who should be in that division, but I digress. Yeah, but, weird. It's <laughs> thing I hate it. But I learned a couple of things that night. Midwest fans are the best because Midwest fans are not afraid to get rowdy on a Thursday and just go balls to the wall. 
Second thing, I learned the easiest way to get through a crowd in the Midwest. There's two ways to do it. If you're trying to get out of the crowd, you shout, I need a beer, and people just move and part like the Red Sea. You just shout, I need a beer. I'm moving through 8,000 people. I'm up against a guardrail. I get all the way to the back in 30 seconds. Just shouting, I need a beer. In order to get back, you shout, my beer's over there, and they just let you walk right by. It's fantastic. The energy that I felt in the beer district that night is something that I envy and it's something that i want to see in minneapolis because i outside of the minnesota Lynx, who have won multiple championships in my lifetime i have not seen a professional sports championship in the state of minnesota i was not around for the 91 twins but that was our most recent one outside of the Lynx. so what i want is that energy i want a fan base that is ready to go at a moment's notice for a team that is exciting and fun to watch and i actually marked this down i was doing some research we're top 10 in attendance this year we have never been top 10 in attendance in our entire existence as a franchise we have never been top 10 in attendance in the nba that's awesome. people are people are coming to these games we've already spoken a little bit about jimmy butler two years ago we would have never started a rachel nichols chant at one of our most hated rachel rivals that nichols. is audible on a television feed and that they feel the need to address because we're so loud. I, we hate the refs this year and I wanted to get into this a little bit, but obviously we're getting a little bit longer on time. So we might need a part two further down in the season, Ooh, but I like that. I like a little, it. little, little teaser there, but we hate the refs and the refs hate us. They're not sending us to the free throw line. We draw, we commit the most fouls out of any team in the league and our fans are not afraid to hear it this year. The reason that I knew that these wolves were for real is they put out a special before the season started to come and see our summer league team, which normally would not entice any people at all. Obviously, we're looking at a summer league team, no Cat, no Anthony Edwards. Our best player on that team is Jaden McDaniels, and then we're running a bunch of college guys. We put 10,000 people in that building for a practice. A singular Minnesota Timberwolves practice got 10,000 people in the building. This is an energy, this is an area that people want to be good at basketball again. And I think that this year is the year. So this is all the Jack fire I have left. We're still recording. Oh my God. Do I, do I actually need to go get a shot right now? Because I am recording in the business center of my apartment building. Um, So I am far, far away from you. You don't. I'm going to do one. I'm going to do one for you. This is what my dare officer warned me about. Let me tell you. (laughs) Cheers, buddy. Hey, it was a pleasure. Absolutely, man. It just doesn't get much better than that. Cold Jack Fire just doesn't get. They need to sponsor this podcast, by the way. Sponsor, the of, yeah, absolutely. For the bottom of fucking Jack Fire that I drink, I need it, buddy. This was awesome, Ethan Lane. You are a rock star. I love these State of the Unions. I'm happy that you got on next. I think we're gonna do Janet next. I, I need a Pelicans check in. Got okay. a check in with her. We're gonna a little bit of a radio tease, but man, I'm with you, dude. I, I think there's something brewing in Minnesota. I think they're really good. I think that this year is going to be a springboard for them, and I'm excited for it because I think every 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 small market team should experience what I got to experience last year, and it, it's it's awesome. It is fantastic. So, all right, for myself, for Ethan W. Lane, Brett Usher, who's not here, he's moving to Hawaii. I don't know what the fuck he's doing, but he's 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 packing, buddy. This was awesome. Midwest versus everybody. I love you. Peace, everybody. Thank you.